Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Kim and Phyllis and I went to see Terry Bennett in Beaver Crossing, Nebraska. Uh, a church of probably 25, maybe. Uh, and this is the third year in a row that Terry has been there. Uh, that tells you something about Terry Bennett. Uh, the Lord tells him to go somewhere, he'll go. Uh, probably more than half the people there were from other states. There, there were people from Oklahoma, Missouri, Minnesota, Wyoming, uh, yeah, all over the place. And it, it was, it was good. Um, he, he did what I expected that he would do, and he did what I didn't really expect he would do. Uh, I expected that he would push us along in our pursuit of Jesus and of, of being His people. That's really what He's been doing for the last number of years, is just pushing people into Jesus and, and leading them to Him by example. Uh, but, but He also... Uh, did something kind of unusual for him. The, the second night, he had prophetic words for uh, three different people, and I, I was one of them. But the word uh, was, I mean, it was for me. It was, a lot of it was for us. Uh, a lot of it was for the bigger us that, that is the city of Cheyenne. And God's people in in the city, and um, I mean, I, I've gotten a lot of prophetic words in in my life, and some of them have been really significant and changed the course of my life. Uh, I, I've not had many that literally took me from one place and put me in. This one did that in, in the sense of I was already there, but I didn't know it. I needed God to tell me the reality of where I was with Him. And now that I know that, Life is different, and that is pretty awesome. So I, I want to share a little bit of that with you, and I, I've got kind of three messages <laughs> that are rolling around within me right now, and 
uh, kind of waiting for God to shake me up and see which one comes out. <laughs> so, uh, the the first thing uh, <clears throat> that uh, I have the Lord's yoke that that I'm yoked with the Lord, and that was hugely significant uh, because of all the things that we've been through in the last year. As I, I know. I know how people think and how they judge according to the way things appear and what they can see. And, you know, I, I know there's people in the church in Cheyenne who are kind of wondering about Cheyenne Vineyard. Is, is God done with them? Are, are they under judgment? Uh, you know, what, what's going on? Uh, and so for me to hear that... Uh, that it was about the greatest encouragement that I could receive. Uh, because a, a year ago, I, I don't think that was the case. Uh, our church and I were at a crossroads about a year ago. And uh, the Lord impressed me to take a sabbatical and... I did that was was it July or August? August, yeah. And after that I, I really changed the way that I was pursuing the Lord. I, I really began pursuing him with more vigor and energy and passion. And uh, I'm really at a different place now than I was a year ago. That's a good thing. And the Lord is with us. Uh, right now we don't understand all of this journey that he has us on. But he, he is with us. And yeah, I'll just share some of this with you. Uh, <clears throat> One of the things that that Terry saw was because I'm under the Lord's yoke, I can be sure that he will have his way in me and among us. It is that yoke that is on me. And you remember when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Yeah. So he, he is leading us. We're, we're learning to follow in, in a, a deeper way. And it's needed. We... We need this. <laughs> we, we need to learn to follow the Lord uh, and obey quickly and, and completely. Uh, we, we need this in, in this time. Uh, he, he said the way forward is of the heart and the enemy is not going to be able to stop it. 
Then, then he, he tried to be funny. He, he started out saying, uh, the Lord never wins by many. He always wins by the few. <laughs> and then he just stopped. <laughs> he said, I, I just wanted to stop there and, and just you know let you hang there for a minute. <laughs> and then he said, uh, and and I, I would normally probably say that, and the few will be fewer, or will become fewer, but, but he said, I can't say that because that's not what the Lord said. And he said that the few are, are going to become many because the Lord is going to bring those who are searching for what's real. And... <laughs> It was interesting, the next thing that he said, they, they are looking and they will find us. God will see to it. Because right now we're probably not easy to find, is the, the reality. But the Lord is, is going to see to it that the right people find us. And the Lord is, is going to establish a strong intercessory base here with a standing together on heavenly ground. A warrior group will come forth. And those, because of humility and absolute dependence on God and the throne being engaged, God is going to win. Does that sound good? Because we, we all need to learn to pray and live from heavenly ground. Because we, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And Many times too much of our living and too much of our thinking and even too much of our praying is, is from earthly ground. And those aren't the prayers that move heaven. It's, it's the prayers that are on heavenly ground that move heaven. And the Lord is going to bring us into that. I'm, I'm skipping some of this because some of it is really not to be shared right now. Uh, he said, something beautiful will be restored when the heart of God is displayed. The compassion of God will be released, and when the compassion is released, the healing powers of God will come forth. And marriages, families, physical bodies, we, we will see much healing. Yeah. So I invite you to pray into that with me. As, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a good word. And it gives us some direction. It gives us a little bit of clarity for what's happening now. It, it shows us a little bit of where, where God is going.
So I'm encouraged and excited about what God's doing and, and even where we are. Because God, God is having his way. Uh, he, he is bringing forth new things in us. And we will not even see some of that until in the future and we'll look back and we'll say, oh, that was what God was doing. So, uh, let me just pray and see which direction the Lord wants to go tonight. Father, I thank you for your great faithfulness. I, I thank you that you are for us. Uh, you've never been against us. And you're not now. I just pray now that you would bring encouragement to every heart that's here tonight. You're with us. You're you're doing something in us. You're you're taking us somewhere. And Lord, we we trust you. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So, uh, I mentioned this uh, during worship. The kingdom of heaven always works by invitation, by call. It's, it's never forced on us in, in this life. It's also not given to those without hunger, without desire, and without seeking. The Lord allows us to be distracted, to be preoccupied with other things. And sometimes as a result, we miss an opportunity. We miss a call. But I encourage us today to hear his invitation and to respond. Uh, I really believe the Lord spoke to me today and said that the body of Christ is in a time of bridal preparation for the amazing things that the Lord is going to do on the earth before his return. Who will inherit his kingdom? It's not everybody. Right? Who, who will be the bride? A couple passages that relate to 
this idea. Uh, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. This is in the middle of a discussion of the time approaching the end of days. As the, the first part of the verse relates to that. The second part relates specifically to God's people. And it says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. And he's, he's speaking of the one I would term the Antichrist there. But, and then the second half of the verse, the people who know their God will stand firm and take action. And some translations are, are a little more vivid. Uh, they will do exploits. The people who know their God will do exploits. And the second passage is Amos chapter 9, verse 13. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains will drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. And what that verse talks about is the great harvest just be before the return of the Lord. That <clears throat> those who are at work bringing in the harvest are, are going to be so busy that the, the only picture that Amos could use, he was, he was a shepherd who also was, was a bit of a farmer. Uh, the, the best picture he could come up with was with farmers that one man's bringing in the harvest and, and he's so busy because the harvest is so great that the one planting seeds for the next crop is catching up with him. That's the picture that's, that's in that verse. And, you know, who, who is it that those two verses talk about? Uh, it's, it's not the casual believer in Jesus that those verses are talking about. Uh, there's, there's going to be an outpouring in, in our day. There's, there's going to be an outpouring before Jesus returns. And in Psalms, it, it talks about the hungry are the ones who receive food, and it's the thirsty that the Lord gives drink. So we, we need to ask the Lord, because the, this isn't something that, that we can do. We, 
You and I, we can't get ourselves there by, by trying to stir something up within us, by, by trying to be zealous, by whatever. We, we've got to ask the Lord to impart to us spiritual hunger and thirst. Uh, we, we've got to ask the Lord to impart to us uh, a heart that will submit to Him. Uh, there's, there's, there's going to be a, a kingdom government established on the earth, a kingdom of heaven government, and again, in, in our day, it's voluntary. And there's, there's, there's a call going out right now. Will, will you seek? Will, will you wait on the Lord? Will you ask the Lord to, to get you to the place where, where you want not just what he wants, but you you want him to get what he wants. And and that's that's an abandoning of self government. Which which is about all we know in America. It's it's about all we've seen even in the church in, in America, is, is self-government. So we, we, we don't even understand how much we need. And, and the best picture is uh, something that we went through a while back in, in Revelation chapter 3. The letter to the Laodicean church. And, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him 
and eat with him, and he with me. To the one who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, Jesus counsels the church in Laodicea to receive from him white garments to, to put on. And in Revelation 19, it, it talks about the bride who has the white garments. Revelation 19, verses 6 through 8. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So, the bride in Revelation 19 is those who have made themselves ready and and put on the white garments because they lived in obedience to the king those those were the righteous deeds of of the saints what was done in obedience to the king There's a parallel, I think, between a Jewish wedding and and what is happening right now. Uh, in in our salvation, we we are betrothed to the Lord. And that's the first thing that happens between a a Jewish man and the woman who would be his wife. They're they're betrothed, and a a pledge gift is given to the bride as kind of surety that I'm I'm actually going to come through with this. And, and that is the Holy Spirit for us. When we're born again, we receive, and Paul talks about this, uh, the Holy Spirit being the, the surety, the, the deposit that, that we're given in, in this bridal relationship. But, but there's more. Uh, <clears throat> there's... There's the promise of, of the future wedding that, that will be. 
But the groom goes to build the house, usually in an addition onto the father's house, where he and the bride will, will live, will go and live. And, and we know that Jesus told his disciples that he was going away to do something like that, that, that he was going to the Father and, and that many mansions would, would be built uh, and, and that he would come back for them. But what, what about the bride during this interlude? Be, between the betrothal and, and the wedding? Because there's, there's a lot of discussion in the New Testament about the wedding supper of the Lamb. And, and blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. But <clears throat> who, who is invited? And, and I, I've spent some time looking at the parables in Matthew and, and in Luke about the wedding supper of the Lamb and the great feast. And the one in Matthew, in, in chapter 22, it, it talks about how many are, are called, but then few are chosen. And in, in these parables, the ones who are invited, they end up not coming. And and it was it was and, and if you if you want to look at those, I'm I'll give you that assignment. You can look at Luke fourteen and Matthew twenty two for the two best parables about this. I'm not gonna read them, you, you can do that, but I'm I'm gonna use some illustrations. And, you know, the, the easiest interpretation of those parables is, well, Jesus was talking to the Jewish people right then, and specifically he was speaking to their religious leaders, and, and they were the ones that he was talking to. Because here was the bridegroom, and, and they wanted nothing to do with it. And, and so, even though they were invited because they were part of the people of God, they, they, were, they were not going to have anything to do with the wedding supper. And, and how sad that was. Well, when the churches talk, or when the scriptures are talking about Israel, there's many times a parallel that has to do with the church. And see that, that parallel is now we are the people of God. Those who have been born again, those who are trusting in Jesus for our salvation. And we, we are the ones who, who should be at the wedding feast. 
in addition to all those Jewish people who believe in Jesus as Messiah. But that's how we get there. But in the parable in the book of Luke, there, there's three different examples given of, of people's responses who, when they're told it's time for the wedding feast, they make really lame excuses of why they can't come. That, that truly dishonor the bridegroom or the father of the bridegroom since he's the one issuing the, the invitation. You know, one has, has just bought a piece of property and has to go look at it. Well, if you know anything about Jewish people, today or in the day of Jesus, if they're thinking about buying a piece of property, do you think they're not going to look at it first? They're, <laughs> they're, they're practically going to live there for a period of time and know everything there is to know about that piece of property or they're not going to buy it. And then the other one says, well, I, I just bought a yoke of oxen and I, I have to go try them out. And that, that would be like one of us saying, well, I, I, I just bought a car and I have to go make sure it works. Because they always had to test out oxen before they bought them to make sure that they would pull equally. Because if they didn't pull equally, <laughs> they'd end up going in circles and nobody would have anything to do with those oxen. So for them, for someone to say that as an excuse to the father or the bridegroom why they can't come, Not, not truth. The thing is, these people are being dishonest. And, and then finally, the, the last one is, is a little more honest. I, I just married a wife, so I can't come. Well, we won't even get into that one. But the thing is, in, in this interlude period, between the betrothal and the wedding, and the wedding, the wedding, and then the wedding feast, uh, the bride goes through a, a period of making herself beautiful. Uh, a time of, of serious consecration. Uh, I mean, read the book of Esther, uh, the Jewish process wasn't quite as long and, and elaborate as for for the king of Babylon, but it it was it was still quite a process. And and this for us is is the process of of Christ nature coming forth in us. 
See, <clears throat> because when, when God in His wisdom created the animals, you know, that He created them male and female. So they had a counterpart so that they could multiply. Adam was created. There was no counterpart for Adam. So he took part of Adam and formed Eve so that Adam could have a counterpart. One to, to marry so that they could multiply. And fill the earth. See, here, here is a truth that I think the church has been really negligent in, in presenting. The, the bride of Christ must be the counterpart. It's, it's why part of him was taken and placed within us so that he could come forth in us and we could become a true counterpart so, so that there could be oneness, so, so that there could be unity. And as, as long as you and I, because and, I'm, not, I'm not there yet, I, I don't have the nature of Christ fully formed in me and, and being displayed all the time. But, but that, that is where this is headed. And, and this is what we need to pray into for ourselves and for one another. Because, you know, for, for the people in the church who have been born again to, to be stuck in, in sin... Uh, and, and no longer pursuing Christ coming forth in them, to, to be living in disobedience, to, to still be living under self-government, all of this, that is the lame excuse of, of the one who just bought a piece of property and he has to go look at it. It's... It's saying to the bridegroom's father, you know, nice invitation, but I'm having a little too much fun over here. Oof. No. Let, let it not be. Let, let us not be satisfied with where we are. 
no matter where we are. Because all of us, and I'm included in this, all of us, we, we need the Lord to do a work in us so that we hunger for the nature of Christ to be brought forth in us. That, that we could be part of this true counterpart of the Lord Christ Jesus that, that will be his bride. See, I, I think the church has been lied to that, that this is automatic. I mean, what would happen in a Jewish wedding if they went through the betrothal, the, the security gift was given, uh, the bridegroom goes and he builds the house and, and he comes back and the bride knows that he's coming because every, everybody knows everybody's business in Jewish communities. <laughs> at least at the time of Jesus because they were small and everybody knew everybody and you know how that works in, in a small town. But he gets there and, and the bride she hasn't gone through any of this beautifying process. In fact, she looks worse than, than when the betrothal was made. Now, we're, we're talking... The groom here is is the Son of God who who gave his life for us and he's he's looking for a bride that will rule and reign beside him and be in perfect unity and he, he will have absolute trust in and and what if he comes back and, and that, that bride is in worse shape than at the betrothal. Well, that's not the one that was described in Revelation 19. Am I right? Yeah, the one in Revelation 19 had made herself ready and had the white garments on. So you know this this is this is not a call to to do better to to make yourself in, into something that you're not because you you and I can't do it but are are you <clears throat> Excuse me. Are are you dissatisfied with where you are spiritual? Uh, if you're not, ask to become that. Because none of us are in fullness, in complete unity with the Son of God yet. 
Because if, if any of us were, the rest of us would know it. Because they, they would be pretty easy to pick out of a crowd. I'm telling you, because everybody would be saying, who is that? They are so weird. Because that's the truth. To, to the world, that, that would look, I mean, more than weird. So, you know, this, this message, is, it's, it's a call to prayer. It's, it's a call to ask God to do something in you, in me. As, yeah, as you pray for yourself, pray for me. Because I'm praying for all of you. So you owe me. And, and I, I am more convinced at, at this point in, in my life and in my walk than, than I have ever been of the complete, absolute necessity of prayer. That we, we need God to do something in us so that he will really do something with us. Because there, there are going to be a people as we approach the, the end of days, the day of the Lord, that he's going to do that with. And, and I don't know about you guys. Well, I think I do. You want to. You want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. I, I don't want to miss that. It's, it's okay for us to want reward when that reward is the result of being obedient to the Son of God. And as we approach the day of the Lord, there's going to be more opportunity than ever to get that white garment, to get gold and silver that will pass through the fire of the judgment seat of Christ and be with us for eternity. So this this is this is a time to to not mess around anymore. And, and I'm I'm praying that the Lord will will change our affections. That that when we sit in front of the TV we'll be so disgusted that we just can't even do it. <laughs> that, that we would rather just wait on the Lord in quietness than do almost anything else. That, that we would rather pray and be with Him. That we, we'd rather worship Him than, than do almost anything else. And as I've been crying out to the Lord for the last year about a lot of this stuff that I've been encouraging us to pray, I, I'm seeing fruit. 
The Lord is doing what I've been asking Him to do. And that is exciting. But it doesn't happen in a day or a week. And, and there's, there's a fervency that, that the Lord is, is offering. I believe right now that it's, it's, it's that invitation. And, and if we will just say, yes, yes, Lord. I want more. I, I want to be more fervent for you and the things of heaven. And, you know, we're, we're told to let our mind dwell on the things of heaven. And I, I encourage you to do something that I did a while back, is make, make a, a, two lists, okay? Things of heaven, things of earth. And don't dwell on the earthly things side. They have a counterpart on the heavenly side. And and try training your mind to think more on the things of heaven than on the things of earth. And and something will begin to change. And it'll be good. I think that's about all for tonight. <laughs> I want to pray for us, though. Because we, we've got to learn to pray rightly. we we got to Stop asking God for stupid stuff. And find the things that are on His heart that we can go after in prayer. Like I was having a conversation with a, a, another leader in uh, another city today uh, at the YHOP booth at, at Super Day and and another leader from Cheyenne, and, and one was asking, so do you, do you see a greater unity in, in the church in Cheyenne, or is it maybe not as good as it, it once was? And uh, it, which, way, which way do you think it's headed? And, you know, the, the only way... The, the church in Cheyenne or the church in any city is is going to come into unity is when Christ Jesus is the head of every leader and then we'll be in perfect unity. There's So I want you to pray for that. Because we, we need all of the leaders in, in the church in Cheyenne 
to have a, a change of government. And I, I'm not saying I'm there, okay? So pray for me too. But at least I know what the problem is. It's, it's self-government. It's, it's wanting what I want instead of what God wants. And if the Lord will take the leaders of the Church of Cheyenne and, and move us out of self-government and into kingdom government, the church in this city is going to change. And that's the kind of thing that, that I'm talking about, that we ask for the right thing. You know, praying for us to be in unity and be nice to each other and, and all this, it, it sounds good. But what's it actually going to take to get there? And, and that's what it's going to take. So, <clears throat> step number one is God bringing revelation that we are under self-government instead of under his government. And then step number two is desiring to be under his government instead of our own government. With, within our heart is what I'm talking about. And then once we at least have that desire within us, then, then the Lord can work with that. He, he can bring something forth. So, that's what I'm talking about in our prayers. We, we need to get, get to the roots of, of what are the issues. So, Father, I, I just pray for the hearts of each person that's here tonight. Lord, that we would hear your call for a consecrated bride and, and that we would say, yes, Lord. That, that we would at least say, yes, Lord, give me a desire for that. Or if we have the desire, then then, Lord, bring more of it forth. I, I pray, Lord, that, that we would set our minds on things above and not on, on things of the earth. I, I pray, Lord, for each of us that, that you would begin to establish your government within us. And, and Lord, just in, in your loving, subtle ways, just show us what self-government looks like and what submitting to your government looks like. Lord, I, I pray that we would make ourselves ready that we would respond rightly to you. 
because you're you're calling your bride forth to make herself ready. So I, I pray that that we would respond. And Lord, teach us to, to pray powerfully. To, to pray from, from heavenly ground. Lord, we, we want Jesus to receive his full reward in our city. Yes. In, um, I want to share an encouragement that I believe the Lord has for this body, and this is in what I believe to be complete agreement with what Jay just shared with us. In the last, uh, doesn't matter how long, the Lord for me personally has had me in the classroom still does, and the issue is humility and dependence. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate the term giving up self-governance. That hits Americans right where um, we need to hear it. But over the last um, months, I've had, I've had instance after instance of fellowship with, with believers in Cheyenne and um, in other places who are hearing the same thing. And they're across the, a, a tremendous spectrum of churches. So it isn't, it isn't about one church. It isn't about one um, set of church values or personal things that we ascribe to here at the Vineyard. I was struck by what Jay said earlier about Terry Bennett's word to him. Beaver Crossing is real close to my hometown, by the way. Um, I was struck by what Terry Bennett said to him as a word of encouragement for Jay, as a word of encouragement for this body, and and Jay expanded it to Cheyenne, the larger context. And so there's two things that I want to... I hope I'm not... It doesn't sound like I'm repeating what Jay said, but this just really... I had to pray over this and talk to Art. Is this the right thing to share? And the answer is yes. So the encouragement is that my part and your part, this is the Lord speaking to us as individuals. When you look at the church as a whole, just this church or the church that we abide with here right now or the church in Cheyenne, it it gets overwhelming and out of reach very, very quickly when we think about the condition of the church and, and sometimes we focus on the things that are messy about the church. The Lord doesn't want us doing that. And so my part and your part is to pray for him to give us the right heart. The change starts here with me and, and here with you individually. The right hunger, the right thirst. I'm convicted by that message. God will take care of his church. He is doing it. And it, and it is across incredible boundaries that have been walls in the past. Second point. The important issue is not whether or not the bridegroom returns in my life. Maybe he will. 
if you think about the first century church and all of the time intervening to today, there was an expectation that Jesus could return at any time. The message has never changed. The warning to the church has never changed. And the warning is just as fresh today as it was then. So the, the second point is that God wants us, you and me, and this church and the, the greater, the broader church, to prepare ourselves as the bride during the time that he has given us. And that's now. God bless you. So what's, what's needed in our day uh, are, are people like Daniel and Esther who had access to the throne. And, and they could bring the power of the throne to bear where it was needed for the sake of the people of God and the purposes of God. So you might hear more about that next.